Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese Man podcast. And, you know, you all know that I love to make sure that I'm highlighting our community, our Latine Vintners, and we have another one today. So I have Daniel Martinez from Casa Martinez Wines. Hola, Daniel. How are you? Hola, Jessica. How are you? Glad to be here in this lovely, cloudy morning. I, oh, is it cloudy in Napa it's right a, now? It's too? a cloud in Napa too. Yeah, it's, it's right now. It's going to open out later, I know. But, you know, it's been weird weather. But it, no, it's it's great. It really has been. I mean, I'm in San Diego and <clears throat> we've been having this just weird, cloudy year. And then now, you know, I just went outside. It rained overnight. What the heck? It rained. I mean... <laughs> So it'll probably be cloudy till about two o'clock. Then from two to five, yeah. it'll be sunny. And then it starts getting cloudy again. Like, I'm not used to this. I want my San Diego weather back. Right. I mean, it's June. Uh, I, we just realized the other day, like, wait a minute, it's June. And we're still having these cold winds and, I mean, and cloudy I days. It's, I mean, we used to get a little bit of rain in June that was like, you know, a crazy rain that just would come on and off and then go away and but we will keep the nice weather summer weather almost because it's always warm it always get it always get a little if not chilly but it you know cool during nights which is what helps with the you know ripening of the grapes and, and the maturity and the and the balance in the grape vines that that's what makes napa valley nice for for wine growing but I mean, not this cloudy, not this cold. Yeah, I mean, I know, it's not, I know. It's, it's not normal. It's just uh, we're thinking probably we'll have a little bit of late harvest, later harvest this year. We'll see. Ooh, well, I'm gonna read your bio before we get into the cheese of your wine. We're gonna um, we're gonna taste your wine. We're gonna talk about your wine and your story. So, born and raised in Michoacan, Mexico, Daniel arrived in the U.S. almost 20 years ago. He ended up in Napa because his family was already there. He began his winemaking education at Hall Wines. After a year in the vineyards, he moved to Robert Mondavi Winery for the 20, 2006 harvest and spent seven years there. At Mondavi, he had the opportunity to be involved in many hands-on projects, including a grape to barrel winemaking project, where he was able to observe and participate in the entire experience from vineyard to crush, to seller logistics and bottling prep to the finished wine and bottle. He joined the 
to Kaylin fermentation team at Mandavi, learning all about fermentation of high-end wines while working alongside experts that became his mentors. His palate and taste for fine wine was developed in the first and second year reserve aging rooms. Doing every kind of job, whether working with Master Cooper Quinn Roberts, taking care of the wooden tanks or barrel rackings, as well as working with Gustavo Gonzalez. So this is from Gustavo Wines, right? No, this is Gustavo Mira Wines. Okay. Making press cuts of red wines and Rich Arnold when working with the whites. The learning process was endless. His education expanded to master all phases of winemaking from harvest to bottling, from grape to bottle. Today, Daniel brings 17 years of hands-on winemaking experience working with different local producers and winemakers in the Sonoma and Napa area. He earned a degree in winemaking from the Napa Valley College and has a WSET Level 3 Advanced Wine Certification to complement his hands-on winemaking experience. I have my WSET 1. I'm working on the other ones. (laughs) And the second, yeah. Yeah, you'll get there. Yeah. it's. I mean, you don't real. The one thing I love about, well, obviously besides taste, but just in regards to like the whole process is you'll never know everything when it comes to wine. There's always something to learn. There's always something. There's always a grape. Like even now I hear grapes and I'm like, I've never heard of that grape. Tell me more. And it's just really crazy. It's one of those things that you'll never, you'll never even as a master, you'll never know everything. You'll never, even as a master, you will never master because there's always, you know, new things coming up and then, and you're not, you're not always involved in all the techniques, you know, as a wine professional from the WSET side, you know, we learned to get a little bit of insight on winemaking around the world, the wine styles and whatnot. But, you know, it's not the same. Then we're missing the actual winemaking portion of it. How, how, how in reality the wine is being made and all the little nuances that happen, the people, the techniques, the machinery, the equipment. It's super, super, super complex. Yeah. You have yeah. a really, I can't wait to like kind of dive in your story because you have a really, I think, unique story as well, just in regards to like the meaning behind your wine and everything like that. But before we get into that... We got to start with our wine. All right. And you had sent me a bottle of your Casa Martinez Camila wine, which is obviously very, very, very personal to you. It's mm-hmm. your, this is the 2018 Pinot Noir from Los mm-hmm. Carneros in, Map, in Napa Valley. So mm-hmm. what should I, I was telling you, I have not drank it. I've been waiting to talk to you before I drink it. It smells okay. really like, for sure, it's very fruity, it smells like. And actually, I kind of smell green peppers. You do? Yeah. Huh. Wait, let me. I, I have I, I'm still waking up. Let me try this again. Cause that I didn't get that the first time. So I think it's just me. <laughs> well, oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm not smelling green peppers. I think it's though I'm wake my nose is just waking up. Okay, I'm gonna take it. Salud. I'm super excited. What cheers. When it comes to your your Camila wine, what should people be, what should you think of when you're drinking this wine? So this is a wine that is being made for the momentos bonitos de la vida. That's basically it, the meaning behind it. I, we started making this wine in 2013 before my daughter was born. We learned that we were going we to have a baby and then we knew she was going to be a girl and my wife 
want her to call her Camila. That's that's what name her Camila. That's going to be her name. So, you know, at this point, I earned uh, winemaking certification and I wanted to, you know, I've been making wine and I've been working with other people as well, making wine. But we, I wanted to make a small batch for my daughter or for when she was being born. So that's the story behind it. We started making it. My daughter was born before the due date as an emergency. She had a some issues that you know at birth and 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 she has cerebral palsy the the story is that we continue to make the wine even though you know we embarked in in a roller coaster of emotions like it was my my blood is flowing right now and just trying to remembering this those 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 the beginning of the whole thing and even though we had all the reasons not to continue to make and 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 commit to do something else we continue to make this wine it became a symbol of gratitude you know mm-hmm. and love and hope because you know we it, you know it'll it'll be part of our gatherings with family and friends who, who would be supporting us and 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 you know and you know that connection that excuse me you know that they would have in the afternoons actually we we, we use that word too and that's why we love your name on your podcast <laughs> you know that's that connection that, that that makes us whole and 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 be you know in the company probably comfort zone but that is uh how everything began i continued to make it and then we decided uh to give it a try to actually start selling it or offering it for more people and the reason behind it at the beginning is and still is you know share our passion for wine make share good wine with people and support our daughter and give back to the community that's kind of the reasons we're trying to do the this you know get a get a little bit of a share our story our story it's Still, we're working on it. We're not perfect, but uh, that's our intention, you know, create great right. wines to your moments, to show up to, you know, to your moments. Yeah. I think when you make wine in this way, like <clears throat> one of the things that I love about all of the the Latina vintners is they're all very small and they all very, a lot of them, when you're making wine, it just means so much because there's so much deeper meaning behind it. A lot of people have grown up in the vineyards with their families and then got the opportunity to, to do something else. And in your case, it kind of did that, but plus, right. With everything that with your daughter and stuff, before we kind of get into more of that, how old were you? Cause I know you said you've been here almost 20 years when you actually came to California, when you came to Napa. 20, almost 20. Okay. 20 years so you, old. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because sometimes people are like, "Oh, I'm really young," or "I'm like in their teens." But you were like grown when. Well, what we would say grown, but not really grown, right? When you're, when you're still a kid, well, if, you're still a kid. If you will, yeah. I, I think you know it was a shocking experience coming over to a different world because I'm I'm already adapting to my world in Mexico. So I forgot lots of those things. I, I, you know, I have this conversation with my wife and I say, I forget lots of things. You know, when I go over and visit my friends, they tell me about things we did. And like, I can, I think my brain, it was so in shock that just removed those memories. That really? kind of thing, because for me, it was shocking at the beginning. And then I, f- I found the winemaking really interesting, like, oh, wow, this is interesting. You know, this is interesting. So I was halfway industrial engineering in Mexico. And then I came over for vacation. 
<laughs> and you've been on a permanent, you've been in a permanent vacation in that permanent vacation for 18 years now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny that, yeah, I've been a rural kid in Mexico, in a small town in Mexico, Las Maravillas, Michoacán. Uh, it's a really small town. It's a village, if you will. So, you know, I went for middle school. I went to the county head or, or, or La Cabeza Municipal, which is, you know, another little, a bigger town where the big town is called Cuandoreo. And then for, for high school and university, I had to go to Zamora. It's a different It's a mm -hmm. city, the city going to the city. So I was, you know, like, you know, I always think of Gloria Asaldúa when like borderlands, like all the rural and in city and like different kind of perspective of seeing life. And then I come, came over here and it's like another perspective, another layer, another complexity. It's just like, oh, all, it gets you all crazy. But um, it was shocking at the beginning. But again, you know, once, once I learned uh, that, there's more to the winemaking, not just doing the work. Like I got interested into different techniques and doing the work. I learned you know, at the beginning, they offered me a job and they told me how much I was going to make. And I'm like, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> I made the conversion to from, from, this is funny. I always tell this story, but I, I made, you know, I, I, tell, I tell it as a joke. I probably, I didn't want to stay, but like when, once they told me, I, I kind of, it kind of, you know, made sense. And, and I, I was, they told me how much I was going to make. And I made the conversion to pesos. I'm like, I'm rich. I'm a millionaire. <laughs> I'm I used a to, millionaire. Well, yeah, then you don't know that you have to spend in, in dollars too and insurance and phones and whatnot. And it's just like, okay. But that's, yeah. that's yeah. So I was 20. Yeah, I was 20 years old, uh, almost 20 years old when I, when I first came over here to the States. So you were saying that your dad would come back and forth from when he was 16 years old. Um, was yeah. he already like, did he settle in Napa in that it was that, did that make your decision in regards to coming to yeah. Napa? Yeah, they, they settled here in Napa. My brothers and sisters, they came before me since I was going to school, I stayed, but they, you know, they came over here on a visa and I stayed going to school. And again, I was just coming for vacation and whatnot. And um, <laughs> so they settled here in Napa. Don't know. I think you probably, I, I'm going to say probably in 98, since 90, 98, they settled here in Napa, 97. I, I am, I'm not sure, but probably around that time they settled. I have this conversation. First, my dad came over to Alexander Valley to work with an uncle, and then he would just be back and forth. Um, then my mom came over, and then they would leave here, and they would be there as a you know, so the young children, uh, and they would come over and try to make some money to bring, you know, to make a house, to have a car, to go those, those little things, you know, like, yeah. So, so, and then we would stay with our tias down in Mexico for, for a long period of time. And it was just being raised by both half, half it's uh, the family, right? The whole family yeah. takes, takes care it's, and jumps in and stuff. By the it way, it's a village. This is super yeah. good. This is really smooth. Your Pinot Noir. Wow. Thank you. Sorry. Again, I am still waking up. I didn't. <laughs> I am like, I feel like. Yeah. 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 My yeah. eyes or something. <laughs> so I love that you just decided you're like, but I, I also feel like engineering can kind what kind of engineering were you studying in Mexico? In the industrial engineering. Okay. Tell me if I'm wrong or not. I almost feel like that could lend itself into winemaking. Like engineering, 
just Log- the thought, yeah. yeah, the logistics, the thought yeah. process, the everything. Yeah. So it wasn't like it kind of sounds like it could be a huge jump from going to engineering into winemaking, but I feel like it's maybe not as big of a jump as maybe we think it is. Yeah, you you probably yeah you, you're correct. You know you can you can you know there are a lot of uh, processes that you can adapt and and understand into winemaking. You know I was halfway the the route, but it gives you the basics mm-hmm. to understand and and the critical thinking. That uh, that's probably what uh, you know the mathematics, the the the, the little bit of the science behind it is just um, yeah gives you that perspective um, on on the science behind winemaking because winemaking is science and art you cannot yeah. you know you can just be one or the other i mean you can that it is a um complement between science and art because you have to have a good palate it has it has to taste good it's just not like you know elements and molecules that they will marry together and then all of a sudden it's going to taste good you have to have the right path of evolution so it'll, it'll taste one, uh, nice and well we we hope we get lucky during that process so it tastes yeah. nice uh, in the end yeah one thing i want to kind of touch on is something we were talking about before i hit record and we were, you were talking about palettes and i was saying i forget exactly what i said but you were saying how oh because we we're talking about cafe de ollas that's what yeah. we're talking about and yeah. i was saying how my dad put cinnamons in the ground. I still put some, and I love cafe de olla because of Mm -hmm. the cinnamon and everything. And you were saying how we are so much, we're drawn to flavors that we grew up with. And Mm -hmm. I think that is something that a lot of winemakers, a lot of the Latine winemakers, like you understand that, right? And Mm -hmm. a lot of these wines are made with those palettes in mind of the different flavors, which no other wines are really, they don't really, I've never seen another wine say, oh, you can have this with enchiladas or you can have it with menudo or you can have it with this or that or blah, blah, blah. But Mm -hmm. that's something that within our culture that we're like, yeah, this would go good with these things. And the wine tends to be made with those palates. So when you go through your winemaking process and when you started, how did that mindset come into play with your winemaking or how does it come into play with winemaking? To answer that question, I don't think I think about it because it's already in me. It's already in me. So, you know, you you are it's more implicit than explicit. It's in me. And I don't pay attention to that because that that's already part of my uh, my palate, that what, what it is. And then in the end, it, it, it becomes really nice because, you know, there's this theory or this saying that says in winemaking, what grows together goes together. Everybody, you probably heard of that, right? Yeah. yeah, I don't think I ever realized it and it was in a wine. I didn't realize that it was in a wine. Oh, yeah. I think I read it from something else. Yeah, in the wine world, they say, well, you know, well, goes, you know, it grows together, it goes together. Meaning, you know, the grapes and the grapes grow in Sicily and then therefore the food in Sicily, it's great for those wines. And my analogy, what, what I say to that is, it's probably not just because it grows together, it's because the influence of the people, the power of the people who live on those villages chose to keep those grapes because they do love those flavors with their food. Mm-hmm. And they and then that's probably how I uh, every, everything ended up. So, you know, just to, to, to answer that, I think, it's, you know, we probably give, we probably guide our wines 
was the experiences we get, the food experiences we get while dining or having carne asadas or, or food with friends and family. They're like, this, this is, this is a whole experience, you know, rather than say, Oh, this is going to be for enchiladas and we're going to make it this way. It's just like, no, it's, 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 you don't think about that. It's probably in the end, your palate is guiding you to make a wine certain way, the way you like it or, or the best way possible. And then, Oh, Wait a minute. It goes really well with caldo de res. Mm. You're making yeah. me hungry. I, for, for like us talking about food earlier and now I'm like, I am hungry. <laughs> you know, you know, it, something's really funny. Uh, Pinot Noir goes really well, depending on how it's made with caldo de res. I'm a wine crazy person. I'm wine geek, if you will. And I try wines with different Mexican food and stuff. And the Pinot Noir goes really well with caldo de res. It's, you know. I don't really make caldo de res. I make more like caldo de pollo. I mm. make a lot, you know, a lot of um, other things. The other day I was making even like shrimp and chicken, quesadillas mm. and rice and beans. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. all of those things. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese mix. Okay, so let me ask you a question in regards to the perspective. For example, um, last year we put out a pozole and wine guide. Mm. And then the year before we did the tamale and wine guide. Mm -hmm. What got picked up by a not like I think it got picked up by like Me Too, the mm -hmm. Me Too website. Yeah. And they published it and then they put it on their social media. Let me tell you the craziness that was on those posts of people saying, who do they think they are? Like with, I think it was with tamales. No, champurido works good with tamales. No, a Coke with tamales. Da, 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 da. Well, first of all, I don't like chocolate. So champurido is mm -hmm. not going to like... Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so thick. I'm like, ew, with tamales, like you want more masa, masa, masa. So how do you like, has anybody ever told you it was the first time, like, I feel like I would come around people who were like, oh my gosh, that's really interesting. I never knew that. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that there was all these Latino wine, wine brands and everything. But then you have people who are these naysayers, right? Because so hmm. many of us did not grow up with wine. So hmm. many of us, like we thought wine was a bougie thing. So, mm. you know, and, and so I feel like uh, some people continue that mentality. What would you say for people who are, whatchamacallit, like hesitant about drinking wine with Mexican food or with, you know, like without like what, what, what people would guess maybe say traditional food, right? It's not necessarily may not be steak. It may not be pasta. It's tamales or it's pozole oh. or it's enchiladas or it's caldo de res. Like, and they're like very, what are you talking about? That's not what white, like you're trying to appeal to white people. That's, I heard that a couple of times. Who is this person? They must be so white trying to appeal to white people. And I'm like, these are all Latina owned wines, people. Like I've worked with these winemakers to create this. I didn't just create it out of thin air. What would you Did say you to those naysayers? Well, I think wine is food. This is the simple answer. Wine is food and you get to pair it with whatever you want. As, because 
wine is very personal and very subjective. We have a palate different than everybody. So I have my own palate that might be really, really close to you in some things, but really probably far away in other things. You know, you might like your your camarón a certain way and I don't eat camarones. You might like your caldo de pollo with a salsa that is made with tomate or not tomate or tomatillo, whatever you prefer, because you grew up with those flavors and that's your preference. And so preference is not, it's, it's, it's personal. It's subjective. You, you cannot, you know, encapsulate food into one little thing, you know, and something, you know, on those words is like, for the most part, People think about wine, I just say bougie, as a being very exclusive. I, I can I can get that from other people. I really dislike that to, to be very exclusive. But you can, if wine is food, if you like it with tacos, it's fine. You know, there's a there's a pairing that says, you know, okay, pair, do not pair um, Cabernet Sauvignon with fish. Well, probably that's a little too extreme, but if you do like those flavors, that's you, you know, it's, it's going to be your preference. So I would say let go of the stigma or whatever that, you know, the cap that you might have and, and be able to experiment. If it's not for you, it's not for you. And let other people realize at their own time, if that's, you know, because we all have a different palate, you know, in the beginning, lots of people, me and my, including myself, um, when I was younger, you know, people enter the wine world with sweet wines. And then as yes. they develop they develop their wine palette, they start looking at some more complex, depending on how the experience is that, you know, if you're exposed to good wine and good food, you're gonna gonna like that that quality of wine or food or or that flavors of wine and food. And then probably, you know, you started with sweet wines and all of a sudden you ended up drinking the most expensive wine with friends because you have fancy friends who have money. I don't, but, but uh, <laughs> same. But, yeah. So, but you get exposed to drinking those wines because I have a friend who hook you up, let's say that. And then you go back and drink the wine that you started with and you love two years ago. You're going to say, yeah, maybe not. So it's an experience. It's a, it's a yeah. whole experience and, and we all gonna do it at our own, own pace. I would say Mexican food, Maybe it's got on a stigma because it's not European mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, I think most of the flavors go are a little Eurocentric and then you would think steaks with rosemary and whatnot. And why not carne asada with chiles? You know? Yeah. I love chiles. Huero, you know, the chile huero, the, the white chiles yeah. the, the, and they put love cheese that. on them and a little bit of salt. And then Sion Blanc, ah, I'm celebrating. Sion <laughs> Blanc, Sion Blanc, Channing Blanc, or, or, or Muscadet, you know, that is a good, those wines, it's just lovely. And then I've been wanting to try Chardonnay, a, a, a buttery Chardonnay with requesón, you know, in butter. That's, okay. you know, maybe I, I would try that because I'm, I've been notorious on the podcast of saying I don't like buttery Chardonnays because they're so heavy. But in the way that you're saying it, I would, but that's the thing. I'd be willing to try it because you don't right. know if you like it if you don't try it. Right. Exactly. I'm not a fan of super okay. I think it's, you know, but we're not here to bash on other winemaking techniques. Yeah. It's just, uh, um, I mean, I have, I might have, I might have my own personal opinions and some wines and some styles, but I would, you know, I've been wanting to try a, a probably oaky Chardonnay or a slightly oaky Chardonnay with, with, um, 
with reggaeton, it's just it's my it's not on my list. I've tried with different things, but it's on my list. I, I do love I do love Chardonnay with with it's on neutral barrels, slightly you know not oaky, not MLF. With uh, they go well with caldo, no not caldo with tacos de cabeza. So and the green salsa it goes. See, everybody's really well. gonna be hungry listening to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna be like, "Ooh, I gotta try that. Ooh, I gotta try that. Ooh, what would go with lengua?" Ooh, there's this place here. Um, because I always find, you know, you know, when you eat lengua, you have it's either like it has to be done right. If it's not done right, it just the texture, the taste, yeah. it just then you're like, no, I don't ever. Yeah. But there is this place, Tacos del Gordo, here in San Diego. Okay. That I think that I've had the best lengua tacos there. I mean, my boyfriend got some and then I tried it and I was, because I, I get like a little scared to try lengua sometimes just because I've had bad experiences. Mm. Oh my gosh. Best lengua tacos I've ever had, I think, in my entire life. They were so good. What do you think would go with some lengua tacos? Depending on the salsa. I think it was more like a red salsa. It was a red salsa. Yeah, well, if, if it's a little spicier, I think a crisp, I always think of a crisp sparkling wine, rosé sparkling, or uh, that is slightly sweet. And our rosé, I think it's pers- it pers- you know, on the heavy side or on the more smooth side, goes really, really well with that kind of salsa and tacos i am you're making me hungry now i know i told you I'm gonna, I'm, so but I, I think so i think i think a rosé i mean you can you can you know if you want, really want to try a red um i would be a little hesitant depending on it's got to be a lightest red probably yeah it would have um, to be a very like a like a boujolet or a pin, you know, like yeah, something really, really light. Yeah, also because of the meat. In the, again, it depends on the salsa and how it's made. But what would I drink with that? Probably garnacha. Okay, okay, probably I garna- like that. Probably garnacha. Yeah, garnacha with garnachas. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good so, one. When you and your wife, first of all, how did you guys meet? How did you and your, your wife meet? Did you meet working together? No, my wife. She was in Mexico, so I went back to Mexico. We met in high school. We kind of were dating, if you will, uh, in high school for a couple of months, and then we split. And we, but we knew each other, and then we bumped into each other again, freaking many years after that. That was in twenty two thousand and I was I'm thinking two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Yeah, and then. We started talking again and then going out and I was going back and forth and and then she just came over, came, so, come over to state. Yeah. I love, I, well, I love that when you're talking about your wine, the, your Camila wine, that you are talking about, like you decided to create this wine in honor of your daughter and her birth. Mm-hmm. And obviously things took a turn that you were an unexpected turn. Right. Mm-hmm. In regards to her being born not only early, but uh, with cerebral palsy, how did that change? Because obviously something like that really kind of turned your world around because you're now you now have not only just this baby and child who is depending on you regardless, but you're adding this complexity to it. Yeah. So how did that change the way that you not only 
not only kind of saw the world, right? Because I feel like it might change your world perspective, but then how did it change in regards to what you wanted to do with wine? Because obviously that affected, affected like continuing this wine and making it for a purpose. Right. So, well, yeah, it was a, obviously a, again, shocking experience, you know, learning. First of all, you don't know how to be a parent. That's the beginning. You don't know how to be a parent. And you probably never will because my two daughters, I mean, are different, even though, you know, you can have two siblings and they're, we are different. different. Uh, yeah. So you probably never learn to do that. Nor teach you to be a parent. And then second, you learn that, you know, your kiddo is not going to have those milestones. You're going to, it's not reaching those milestones. So you learn to probably be patient and, and not to um, patience, probably, you know, you know, yeah. Patience and dedication because you, first of all, you you know, things didn't, Turn the way we always hope you you, you 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 dream of your kiddo, hold your kiddo by the hand, and be walking around with them, and then you let go of those expectations and those dreams and readapt. So you have to adapt and, and grow, and 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 also learn how to take care of a kid, especially its kid and whatnot. So it was a learning process. It was a adaptive process, if you will, and that was. You know, it's not easy, but again, how even the making the wine, we kind of express that into that. If we put that in our love or and hope. That's why I said, you know, it became like in gratitude to people. So when we shared it with people, we we thank you. I said to somebody, Heather Dennison, when people want to try my wines, you know, I feel like I want to give it away. I want to share it with everybody, but I unfortunately I cannot do that. I cannot just share it out. We still to need to sell it. But uh, it makes us really happy when people are wanting to try our wines. It makes us really happy that they share our wines in their moments and in yeah. the family gatherings. And, and it, it, that's the whole purpose, you know, like, it, you know, bring joy to your moments. That's how I sometimes refer to how we change our lives. Uh, you know, we adapted, even though embarking in those emotions we continue to make it and, and, and that's what keeps us moving forward and in, in, in pushing towards winemaking, continue to make these wines that are, you know, made with intention and lots of love and hoping that it'll bring joy to your moments and to those who you, sh- to, uh, that you share it with. Yeah. I love the fact, you know, so many, so many winemakers, the wine becomes personal, right? Because it's something not only that you but it becomes like a family thing as well. So the fact that you named it after your daughter before your daughter was born, and then it became this like intentional thing afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, I like it, I really love that. You know, like Herencia del Valle, they have their, like when you look at their label, mm-hmm. it's their daughter dancing. And you mm-hmm. didn't, I never realized it. Well, like uh, when we were interviewing, they were saying, oh yeah, it's our daughter dancing. It's like the silhouette and that they made it. And when you look at it, you're like, oh my gosh, yes, you can tell it's somebody dancing. So the fact that I just feel like it's not just wine to so many, right? It's truly an extension of who you are and the love that you put into the winemaking process into doing this and everything. Right now, this is your only varietal, right? Is the Camila Pinot Noir? 
yeah, this is the, you know, again, the beginning, it was like, we will make a Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir has got, you know, a meaning because Pinot Noir is very finicky, is very sensitive, temperamental, if you will. It's, you have to treat it right. You have to, it, it needs more care, and extra care in the vineyard, in the winemaking. So it'll express, get, you know, so you have to be patient with this grape. You have to treat it with love and care and patience. So if you do that, this is the philosophy behind it is you'll get rewarded with a nice wine, you know, hopefully if everything went well. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do get rewarded with a nice wine. And for us, you know, it is analogy for taking care of our daughter, Camila. We put a lot of love and care and dedication and patience to get rewarded with her smile. So so that's, that is exactly what, yeah, I'm getting a little emotional here. <laughs> so that's me too, but I love that. I love that. Yeah. That so so you that's relate that so directly that the yeah. love and care and patience, the reward at the end for the wine is a beautiful bottle of wine. And the reward for that, when you're going through that with your daughter is her smile. I love like how you're just able to correlate those two things because you know, not a lot. I think it does take anytime you have, we experienced that in a different way. My uncle mm-hmm. Paul, um, mm-hmm. my grandma was pregnant with him and got in a car accident. Oh. And so he had brain damage. So if you looked at him, you would never think anything, but he couldn't read. He couldn't read. He couldn't write. Um, he had a really thick speech impediment. So if you didn't know him and didn't know what he was saying, it was really hard. So you know, a lot of our, he spent a majority of his last 20 years with my parents. And then the last couple of years with some other family members, that wasn't necessarily good, but mm. it was always like the, you get frustrated sometimes of the things, but especially cause he's an adult. Right. And, and mm-hmm. he could do things for himself, but regardless of that, there, you still had to have some sort of patience. You still had to have some sort of you know, understanding because he had empathy. Yes. You, Oh, absolutely. Because then you had to remember, like he only had the understanding of like a 10 year old, if that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, so I, I mean, in a very, very different way, I did not have to take care of him. My parents actually spent a majority of their, Mm -hmm. like I said, the, his last 20 years taking care of him and stuff. But, you know, I think that we forget sometimes the Mm. like the grace that we need to give others and the empathy that we need to have for others and how much time you're taking right to to be able to do all of these things for your family to be able to take care of your daughters and your wife and then also you're doing your work and then you have your wine like there's a lot of things that are going on right that I can't even imagine that just all of the things that go through your mind on a daily that you have to go through just to make sure everything is running right. <laughs> we try, we try. It's just like, have you ever seen that meme that says, you know, you know, I'm like a, a frisk or frozen computer that, you know, like all, all up in tabs and then you don't know where the music is coming. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Kind, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. No, um, we try. I have so we're a team with my wife. My wife takes care of my daughters, on my daughter for, on that end, and I take care of, you know, work and then come and help. And yes, we're running for most most of the time. So it's busy. 
Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. It's busy. <laughs> it's busy. Yeah, like you have to come over here and take another daughter. And then sometimes you're driving and then, you know, your keto has, I mean, because I, I love to spend time with them. Um, there's something wrong. And so all of a sudden you don't have the energy to develop a post per se for Instagram to, to, to tell the world what was going on in your mind and, and or get, give an update because, you know, it's just spent 10 days on the hospital because of something. And it's just, but we love it. We love, we love meeting people. We, I mean, we, we just met you. We, we meet and, you know, we, we're, we're, I'm, we're not pushing it. I'm not pushing it, but we're enjoying the process. The people who join us and support us and, and then they would love, our, I'm sure they will love our wines and, and we were thankful for that. Well, I, I'm loving your wine. I'm almost done with my glass. <laughs> 94 <laughs> As I'm points. Waking up. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you said 94 points? Is that you said? Yeah. Oh, it's good. I'm loving it. I'm really loving it. And actually, because it's a Pinot Noir, it's not too heavy to have it mm, this, time it, of, this time of day. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, Pinot Noir is very casual. Um, yeah, it's nice. I, I, that's why we love Pinot Noir. I fell in love of, with Pinot, actually working with Gustavo Gonzalez, developing Pinot Noir projects in mm-hmm. at Robert Mondavi. So they had a, a special Pinot Noir that I made, they made over there, and I was part of that. I mean... No, no. And I, I was just, you know, make everything. And then when I tasted the, the bottle stuff, like, wow. So I always kind of like Pinot Noir and yeah. It goes with so much. Okay. So outside of your wine right now, because I know that changes because people always ask me, what's your favorite wine? I'm like, well, it depends on what I'm eating, what the season is, like mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. mood, all of those things. Right now, what is... Uh, give me a couple of your favorite wines that you're enjoying right now. Well, number one, probably Camila right now. I'm drinking it with you and it's you lovely. It's lovely. It's it's perfect. Um, Actually, our friends from Winery Reflections gave us a, a little review, which is very extensive. And, and I was like, wow, I mean, this is kind of reflects what I wanted to make and they do say that is this wine is meant for eight i mean it's it's meant to age and and live long and i love that like a third party it's able to say that so i, I love that again i do love and and I'm, I'm like everyone with the sun's out i love whites you know depending on you know how, what are you doing so mm-hmm. sometimes you feel like oysters and I don't know, Cyan Blanc or Chenin Blanc, or if you have a carne asada, you should get some Pinot Noir, in this case, Camila, or um, our, our Rosé, Bonita's Rosé, it's really casual wine. I mean, it goes with everything. It's just, it's like, just perfect for the tardes de, de amigos y chisme, yeah. really. It's just, it's just perfect. It's just <laughs> Which perfect is for that. my life. <laughs> yeah. So it goes well with, you know, you can, you can eat it with enchiladas and, and pollo and, and, you know, chicken, chicken enchiladas, whatever you like, really. Yeah. So, and you know, I do enjoy a nice cab. So I always, this is just like the overall answer. I'm a Napa guy and my palate is grown in Napa. I do enjoy wines from all over the world, but I, you know, I don't have resources to buy the most, most expensive wines, but I do being in Napa, that would be Pinot Noir, Cabernet Sauvignon for, for reds and Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay for whites. I will say this, just because a wine's expensive does not mean that it's good. Yeah. You know, yeah, because no, people totally. don't realize that there's a lot more in the price than just the wine. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's the bottling, it's the cork, it's the label, it's this, it's that. Like, 
all that goes into the to the pricing where you're getting your grapes all of that marketing just yeah marketing so just because it's i just want to let people know that just because it's a $300 bottle of wine it doesn't necessarily i i've found I've tasted like a $300, $400 bottle of wine, and I end up liking like the $60 bottle of wine better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, on that regard is, you know, again, everything's personal and I agree with you. So, you know, sometimes an $80 bottle of wine does well as a, you know, $200 bottle, $300 bottle of wine. The quality, you know, probably is there, you know, and and I, I always say how much, how much more quality can you bring in to continue to bring the prices up? You know, I think, you know, an average good price would be probably a hundred dollars now because everything's more expensive. So I used to say 80, <laughs> everything's expensive. And you find a really nice quality for a hundred dollar bottle of wine rather than 300. But it also has to do with the personal taste. And it doesn't mean the quality is not there. It's just a different style because they already have probably you t- you're, Thinking about if you, I'm, I'm hoping you're thinking of like fans names, and they already have a following, and then yeah. that's what they expect. So that's you know they cannot. That's what you know. Those wines are meant to be aged. You know, these these are people who have the means <laughs> to put the wines in the in the cellar and leave it for ten years and forget about it. We don't have that luxury. No, and <laughs> many of us don't, right? Many of us no, from no, not no. only the Lat- the Latinx community, but communities of color. Many of us just don't have those types of resources, and we don't have a cellar. <laughs> no, I'm trying to just get my wines horizontal. That's what I'm. Like. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. That's it. That's it. Now we just bring it over, uh, drink it. I think, yeah, I think it's probably that has to influence that. Um, I've tried really, I mean, I'm, I'm being fortunate enough to try really f- expensive wines, 100 point wines here and there that I love them. You know, I used to think in my head, oh, yeah, them probably not that good. But uh, I do, I taste them blind and I've found like, okay, I proved myself wrong. And some of those so so like okay the quality is, is again, really good you never quality. know unless you try right it's, like exactly. that's always the thing my thing that's i i that's kind of try i try to live my life by that yeah and you and you are right you i mean it doesn't mean if you, if it's expensive doesn't mean it's good or you're gonna like it. let's put it that way and sometimes yeah there's some other brands who are you know, bring prices up, make it look fancy, and for it's probably yes, you know, a quality you can get um, for you know, yes. way cheaper. Well, on and honestly, that's why it's been so important for me to make sure that people know of brands like yours because you know you're a micro, you're a micro. All of a sudden, Producer? yes, I can. All of a sudden, the the thing came out of my head and you don't have the means of this huge marketing and this huge, but the wine is so good. And it's so important that we know of these micro um, producers that are truly putting heart and soul into their wines. And it may not be a hundred, $200 bottle of wine, but it's amazing and it's good. And what you're not, when people are buying these wines, they're not just buying the wines they're buying. I feel like they're buying part of you right? Because you guys are putting so much into this. That's why it's one of the things that's so important to me because also, you know, 94% of agricultural workers come from Mm. our community. Yeah. And 
as I've been researching and trying to add more and more to this wine directory that we created, we're like less than 0.1% of mm-hmm, owners mm-hmm. Of, of wineries, of, or, of owners of brands. So it's such a huge disparity. And that's why that's just another reason why it's become so important to me to make sure that people know of who you guys are and what you guys do and really try your wines and everything. And we thank you for, I thank you for that personally. I think, I think this is, I've been a proponent of that. Like we have to stick together and try to make some noise and and it gathers some attention to, towards Mexican American or Mexicanos or Chicanos or whatever you want, however we refer to ourselves. I think, you know, we have Mava just, we have Mava here that there's a, you know, there's a, like a little brand, how do you say like a group? Yeah. The Mexican American Vintners Association. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and not everybody's on there. So that's, that's why you have to do probably researching and trying to find those guys out because we don't have a platform to, to get out. You know, like I was trying to make wine. I've been in wine business and making wine. I I like, I feel comfortable making wine from, you know, from the speaking sense, talking about it, it's just, it feels comfortable when I'm making it. I always get a little, oh, I want, I want it to be perfect. So being in the wine side, there's, there's a lot of things and you think, you know, I'm going to offer my wine, but you have to find people who will support you on the Camino, on the road. And you find allies, allies. So, so you'll find, you'll learn in my case, that's, that's, I'm probably saying my experience, but it's not just coming out of the world and people will find you. You have to go over and knock on one door and second door and then the third door and the 10th door and the hundredth door to, to find people who would probably be interested in you. And unfortunately we're seeing, I think, you know, again, I'm, I'm talking from my perspective. Um, they, they probably see a guy with my characteristics and think, yeah, who, I mean, maybe you don't know how to make wine or maybe, you know, we'll, we'll wait until, until we learn more from you. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, we, we're trying to be out there and, and present ourselves, introduce ourselves and, and, and people, so people will learn what we do. And as a conjunction and as an individual and individual sense, and um, hopefully we get, attention to us and people get to try to choose to try our wines and drink our wines rather than a massive produce of wines. That's, that's, yeah. that would be my, my, that would be, you know, the, the, the intention. Yes. Well, I was going to ask what you want with, with Casa Martinez wines, but I feel like you answered that before I even asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be great. And, you know, there's always the main story for us and then the behind story. And I created a little project uh, um, in 2018 that says, I want to have, you know, have you ever seen like dumb goal and smart goals mm. when creating a project? Yeah. So my dumb goal was to create representation for all while making a wine. I, I want to stick to that. Like, I love the representation because we're over, I think we're way underrepresented and I would like to push forward. And then I think you put a question on the questionnaire and says, describe yourself in one word. And I answered perseverance or something like that. Mm -hmm. I was going to answer something. Can I, can we say like explicit words? (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah, you can. I I, I say, I say, you know, like perseverance and something like that. And I, and I, and I, I yeah, you said perseverance rebelde. Rebelde, yeah. And now, but I was, yeah, that's like, you know, we have to be rebellious, rebeldes to go against something that is probably the odds are against us. And, uh, and I was going to say, 
chingadazo, so <laughs> we have to really be fighting against something to the all, all the things that come across ourselves to, to continue pushes and, and kind of pursue our dreams. Yeah. So, well, you know what? The shirt that I'm wearing today, I don't know if you could see it. Hold on. I, I can't. Yeah. It says, you can't love the culture and not support the people. Love it. I, which yeah. I feel happens so much, right? Yeah. I love it. So I want to make sure we get, if people want to go purchase the Pinot Noir, casamartineswines.com. Correct. On Facebook and Instagram, you're at casamartineswines. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I give you the opportunity, if there's anything else that you want to say, that you want to add, that I have not asked, that we have not talked about, please share it now. <laughs> well, please share it now or forever hold your peace. No, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And hold your peace. No, um, a little message that we would like to say to people is just um, be kind. Be kind. Um, let's and, and if you can, let's support uh, small producers. That's, you know, as a general, you know, as for Casa Martinez, if you have an opportunity, you know, to get in contact with us, we would love to to have that. We would love to have you in our community. We would love to be part of your moments, your momentos with familia y amigos. And then, you know, and hopefully you you get to smile with them and, and, and have a good time. And that's the whole purpose. You know, we put a lot of love of what, on what we do. We are hoping to gather some following and sell our wines. And our hope is to, again, make great wine for your moments, support our daughter. That's, that's probably what we, you know, everybody, every partner wants to do that and, and give back to our community. So a little bit of your purchase goes to associations that will help with special needs. We're at the beginning, but that's the purpose, you know, like we yeah. take off, we'll sell our wines and then we'll and give back to the community, you know, to help with associations that support special needs. We are lucky to have the school. We have a special education program at a school where Cami goes and uh, they're good and, and there are more people out there and, you know, slowly but surely we'll find that so we can create, you know, some change one glass at a time yeah daniel thank you so much for talking to me and sharing your beautiful wine with me and sharing your beautiful story with me i really really appreciate it we're gonna have to put like this whole super big thing together next time i'm in napa so i can meet everybody because i've met several of the vintners but there's so many that i still haven't met that i've just kind of done this with but i still haven't met them in person so i actually have met chris rivera from say solis several times mm-hmm. he's a good friend i finally met fidencio from esfuerzo wines i've finally met him in person a couple months ago mm-hmm. a lot of people from mava i finally met when i was in napa in, in mm-hmm. december so I'm definitely looking forward to being able to meet finally meet you in person as well yeah yeah you know you Whenever you come over here, that'll be great. You know, I will make a little time again. We we just uh, joined Mava. As a, probably we're the smallest guy over there. Something with Mava and something with other vendors. That would be great. And, and you know, that's where you know share wines, share stories, and yeah. cheese me. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. I appreciate it. And mi gente, please make sure to. Head over to casamartineswines.com, follow Casa Martinez 
wines on Instagram, on Facebook, and buy some wine. Support our gente. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.